0: The Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world today is Friday, March 31st. We're going to do something a little bit different than you listeners might expect here on today's show. Now, I am well aware that the biggest headline coming out of the past two days of play at the 2023 Miami Open is the fact that Yannick Sinner earned a thrilling come-from-behind three-set victory over world number one and defending Miami Open champion Carlos Alcaraz. Not only does that result propel Sinner to his second final in Miami of his career, it also, of course, denies Alcaraz a shot at capturing both titles of this Sunshine Swing Novak Djokovic will also surpass Alcaraz once again in next week's rankings. He will retake that number one spot in the world from the 19-year-old that match was delightful. It's a podcast in itself. As such, I will save my thoughts on all things Sinner Alcaraz for tomorrow when I will be joined by a frequent guest here on our Crack Rackets podcast, a Crack Rackets contributor, host of Monday Match Analysis and 3A Tennis Show. My dear friend Gil Gross will join me on Saturday for an exclusively Sinner Alcaraz dedicated podcast. Again, very much looking forward forward to that conversation hopefully all of you listeners will be willing to I suppose be a bit patient in waiting for my thoughts on that match so with that fact in mind, again, I do ask for a little bit of patience from all of you listeners. We're going to get to everything that happened in that Sinner Alcaraz match with Gil tomorrow. Today, we're going to focus on the many other headlines being produced by this second half of the Sunshine Swing. How about the sneaky consistency of Petra Kvitova? Now, Kvitova has been a top 15, top 10, win healthy, top five presence on the WTA Tour for about a decade now. But you look at this, dare I say, post-prime phase of her career, and unfortunately, I know I've been focusing on this age fact, so I've repeated it quite frequently of late here on this show, but Kavitova is the third oldest player inside the WTA Top 50 right now. Now, she's only 33 years old, And so I don't think it's that surprising, particularly given her game style, how effortless her power has been throughout the course of her career when she's healthy, when she's confident, when she's match tough as she is right now in Miami and as she has been, excuse me, for not just you know, the past three months, but really throughout the course of this pandemic era since August 2020, I want to talk today about the sneaky consistency of Petra Kvitova, how I thought she was exceptional in playing her first strike tennis in her quarterfinal three-set win over Alexandrova, semifinal straight-set win today, 5-2 down in the first set. She comes back to take a straight-set win over Sarana Kirsteja. We'll get into all things Petra here on today's show I don't know how much analysis is left to be had about Elena Rabakina. I know David Kane and I talked about her quite a bit on Thursday's podcast, but yeah, she got another impressive victory, especially considering Pagula served for the first set in their semifinal battle at Miami. Now, I haven't talked about that match yet, so I want to here today, but it's the same story. Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club, Elena Rabakina is unequivocally a member and she takes the racket out of opponents' hands. We'll talk about how she managed to do that, albeit in a delayed fashion, against Jessica Pagula on Thursday. And then, because we're saving Sinner Alcaraz for tomorrow with Gil, limited men's thoughts here on today's show. Now, I watched Medvedev not only defeat Chris Eubanks yesterday, but, you know, three set victory for him today over Karen Hachanov. That match went exactly as expected and I'll explain what I mean by that here on today's show but yeah we'll put some perspective on what Medvedev's accomplished not just here in 2023 not just here in Miami but what he's done on hard courts throughout the course of his career our dear friends at Opta Ace have some fantastic stats that I want to share with all of you listeners today let's talk Medvedev we did some Hatchinov yesterday or Thursday with DK, so I suppose we'll do limited Hatchinov here today, but we can talk about his win over Sarundalo, what went astray for him against Medvedev. I mean, I will offer, I suppose, a few Alcaraz Sinner thoughts at the end as well. Just catch up on everything that's happened over the past 48 hours so that all of you feel prepared for an exciting championship weekend. Rabakina Kvitova, Medvedev Sinner. I mean, if you can't get up for that, I just don't know what to tell you as a tennis fan. Of course, before I get to everything that's happened over the past 48 hours in Miami, I want to remind all of you that if you're ready to get back out on the court, it is very nearly spring across the United States. Maybe again. You had a really good – I don't know why I'm framing it this way. I'm laughing at myself. A really good off-season, and you're ready to update your gear, whether it be shoes, whether it be clothing, whether it be rackets, whatever it is our dear friends at Tennis Point have you covered. Treat yourself with the many amazing items they have available for tennis players, pickleball players, all racket sport players everywhere. You can find their extensive catalog by going to their website, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. Not only we get 15% off, off – all-sale items you'll also get free two-day shipping on all orders sixteen seventy five 75 a free can of wilson extra duty tennis balls but best of all you'll let them know we sent you there tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 all right let's start on the women's side of things again our final is set it will be as david kane likes to refer to it a battle of big babe tennis elena rabacana taking on Petra Kvitova. Let's start on the Kvitova side of the equation because there's been plenty of to talk, not just here, but across tennis discourse over the course of I don't know, the past six months. It's been less talk about Petra Kvitova. Of course, we know about Petra Kvitova. Reached a career high of world number two over a decade ago back in 2011. Of course, Petra Kvitova throughout the course of her career captured two slam titles. Wimbledon back in 2011, 2014. She made the finals in Australia in 2019. Has made quarterfinals or better at all four majors in her career. Of course, you also look for Petra Kvitova. Know, she hasn't just made 20 finals at the tour level in her career no by reaching the final in Miami she's reached her 41st final of her career but it gets even better than that and again this is where I need to credit our dear friends at Opta Ace you can follow them on Twitter at Opta Ace they have just been killing it with statistics I mean, not just here through this event, but in each and every event and every week, every day of the season, Petra Kavitova reaches her 13th 1,000-level final on the WTA Tour. 13th of her career. It's the most WTA 1,000-level finals of any player in WTA history. Excuse me. She's fifth most on in WTA Tour history. Halep, Serena have 18th. Leave it in. It was... Not the best wording in this the Ace tweet, which I don't mind leaving in this show because, again, it's the best account. Follow it. You're missing out as a tennis fan if you're not and you're on tennis Twitter. Kvitova reaching her 13th final. She trails just Azarenka, who has 15, Shara with 16, Halep and Serena, who have 18. I mean, that is absolutely remarkable. And again, it's not just that for Petra Kvitova. You look for the lefty, what she accomplishes here in Miami by reaching the final. She's the third player to reach the final at Miami after turning 33 years old. Chrissy Everett did it in 88 and 89. Serena Williams did it in 2015. She's the third left-handed player to reach the final in Miami. First final in Miami of her career. She joins Navratilova and Celis. When you're on lists with Navratilova, Celis. Everett, Serena, Sharapova, and even Azarenka and Halep—you're a defining player of your era, and no one would debate that. Petra Kvitova, despite never reaching world number one, the two Slam titles, the 29 titles overall, the 13 1,000 level finals—she is unequivocally a Hall of Famer. But she is also a defining player of her generation, in that I don't want to say post-Serena prime, but that Serena 3.0, 4.0. Well, actually, Kvitova was around in 08 and 09, so she was around for the Serena prime. Who were the players who made a difference, who could still crack through even when Serena was at her prime or in those rare moments where Serena was off the court with an injury or not playing? Petra Kvitova has constantly been one of those players or constantly was one of those players to capitalize on those moments. And look, even in this now post-Serena era, Kvitova has continued to capitalize. She's 80-44 and 44 overall since tour play resumed in August 2020. It's just under the two-thirds rule, but she, you know, again, the two-thirds rule is the standard of good on the WTA tour. If you're winning two-thirds of your matches, you're sustaining your spots in the ranking. That's why Kvitova has vacillated between about, I don't know, 6 and 20 in the rankings over the course of the past two and a half years. And you want to break that down even further, 80 and 44 overall. She's 18 and 10 at the majors. Now, hasn't had the most success, only three second weeks, but she did reach a semifinal at the 2020 Roland Garros. And as I always like to remind everyone, she was one of the favorites going into the 2021 French Open before getting injured in that weird press conference moment or whatever it was post that Hrit minnen match. Look, again Petra Kvitova at the premier events or the 1000s she reached the final in Cincinnati last year quarterfinals at Indian Wells this year now follows it up with a final at Miami she reached you know won a title in Eastbourne last season she reached semifinals in Ostrava in 2021 a bunch of different quarterfinals in fact again since August 2020 she's made the quarterfinals of 14 different matches uh, events that Tennis Abstract qualifies as premieres now I see Eastbourne's Ostrava's, Bad Hamburg's in there. Those are more 500s than 1,000s. But still, I mean, 14 quarterfinals at those caliber events over the course of two and a half years. She is consistently in the mix at the big events. And, you know, 2023 now, you look for Petra Kvitova. She's 16 and 5 overall to start this season. Yeah, the loss to Kalanina, 5 and 4. Disappointing, though not a terrible loss given Kalanina is a top 30 player. We know her athleticism, her springiness. But you look for Kavitova, 16-5 and start to her 2023 season. Kavitova, who over her last 52 weeks ranks seventh in hold percentage amongst top 50 players. She's holding serve about 75% of the time. In 2023, she's holding serve 78.5% of the time. Now, Again, it's only a 3-month 20 match sample size, but that's elite power tennis. And that's what Sabu uh, excuse me, Kvitova has consistently played throughout the course of her career and that's what we saw throughout the course of her Miami semi quarterfinal and semifinal victories and look, I wish I could point to specific tactics. Like, yes, did Kvitova do a great job at jamming the inside right hip of Ekaterina Alexandrova. Was that maybe the tactical difference in the match? Maybe. Sometimes it just comes down to who makes more first serves, who has more chances to execute the things they want to do. And in Kvitova's 6-4, 3-6, 6-3 victory over Ekaterina Alexandrova, two players who want to play first strike, want to dictate from the center of the court, Kvitova was just a little bit better at it. She fought off five of six break points that she faced. You know, Jumped on Alexandrova from the start of the match. Had opening break points in each of Alexandrova's first two service games. Gets up that opening break, holds on to it the rest of the set. Now credit to Alexandrova. Got a little bit more aggressive early in rallies. I thought Alexandrova was the more fluid mover, but again, Kvitová was had the bigger first serve. She had the more effective first forehand but first strike in general because, boy, did Kvitova lace some down-the-line backhand winners in this match to keep Alexandrova honest. Again, you look overall in this match, Ekaterina Alexandrova was broken a grand total of two times. There were three breaks of serve, 1%. This was first-strike tennis. And Petra Kvitova once again showed that when she's confident, playing her best, she plays elite power tennis. She is also a longtime resident of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. And then we saw what happens when she gets hot in her semifinal victory over Kirstea 5-4, Kvitova down 5-2 in the first set. Kerstea played lights out. The first seven games, she it was much like she did in her quarterfinal victory for Kirsteja over Sabalenka, where her movement was exceptional. Again, because she moves so well, she just has time to do things, and her groundstroke technique, pretty condensed on both wings. She can redirect pace down the line. She can elevate a ball to buy herself time. She was doing all of those things so well, was lacing every wide serve as a return down the line. Not all of them for a winner, but like... Close to 30% of them were winners in those first seven games. It was only one break. But man, Kirsteja started out extraordinarily aggressive. And then Kvitova's pace wore Kirsteja down. It gets really hard to chase that ball down quarter to quarter when elite power is coming your way. And Kvitova, to her credit, made 68% of her first serves. Again, wins over 65% of both her first and second serve points. Fights off four of the five break points that she faced. You know, wasn't broken after going down that early break and going down 5-2. Kristea played a good match, didn't have a way to disrupt Kvitova's service games after the first 20 minutes of this match were over. And that again gets back to Petra Kvitova. Elite Power Tennis. She's quietly 34-16 and in her last 52 weeks. She has won two-thirds of her matches over the course of the past year. She's into another 1,000-level final. Obviously did it in Cincinnati back in August. Won Eastbourne in June. Now here into the Miami final. You look for Petra Kvitova over her last 52 weeks. She's earned eight top 20 victories. Those eight top 20 victories, uh, they ranked tied for 11th amongst top 50 players, you look for Petra Kvitova in terms of her win percentage, again, being right at that 68% mark. She currently ranks 10th in win percentage amongst top 50 players over the last 52 weeks, according to Tennis Abstract. By the way, Kvitova, 14th in 2023 specific ELO rating, 10th in overall ELO rating. She's back on one. And for what it's worth, she's 1-1 one one in her career head-to-head against Elena Rabakina. Now, you know, again, Context being key, where were those matches? When did those matches happen? You look at the career head-to-head between the two of them. Elena Rabakina uh, faced off with Kvitova earlier this season in Adelaide. Kvitova dealing Rabakina one of her four losses on the year, a 3-5 and win for Kvitova. Now Rabakina got Kvitova in Ostrava at the end of last season, 6-4. and Look, it's Big Bang in tennis for what it's worth, and you look for Elena Rabakina in her career at the tour level against lefties, and I'm sure this will be explored more tomorrow on tennis twitter. I know I'll be sure to get into it. She's sixteen and fourteen overall, twelve and nine against left handed players at the tour level in her career. Now, of course, Petra Kavitova has played so many uh so many High level players, you know, so many righties in her career that that is not the stat you want to use. Let's go with height. How, what is Elena Rabakina, or excuse me, Petra Kovidova's record against players who are 5'10 or taller? Petra Kovidova, 181 and 77 overall, 173 and 74 uh, overall at the tour level you look for her over her past 3 seasons Kavitova 22 and 9 against tall players with weapons so usually if it's a battle of pace Petra Kovitova is going to win it but i mean again Elena Rabakana, 6 and 4 win over Jessica Pagula it was very interesting because there were plenty of breaks in this match you look for Rabakana who gets broken 5 times in this match who manages to break serve 6 times I mean, again, they traded a bunch of breaks in both the first and second set, and Pagula goes up 5-4 in set number one and, you know, goes up an early break, I should say, on Elena Rabakina and is holding steady through the first nine games. And, you know, then Elena Rabakina strikes, as can happen. And when Rabacina gets her backhand down the line going – There's just not much you can do because, again, it's just so difficult uh, for, I would say, anyone to handle that pace in the outer third, and Jessica Pagula did all she could. She played extraordinarily aggressively, again, took the down the line whenever the opportunity was presented to her. She tried to push forward, tried to pressure Elena Rabakina by coming forward to the net, and, you know, again, for what it's worth— Jessica Pegula served for the first set, right? Jessica Pagula was up 5-4 in set number one. Jessica Pegula was up 6-5 in set number one. She didn't get to set point in either of those games, and, you know, again, that's just because Rabakina kept this relentless pressure on her and continued to swing in the biggest moments, and... You know, again connects on a couple of backhand returns down the line in that four-five return game. Connects on a uh, on a big forehand return um, and just sort of sets the tone for the pressure she was putting on Pagula, lacing returns at Pagula's feet to force the breaker in that six-five Pagula service game. She caught fire, you know, from what, 2 3 down in that breaker, wins the last five points of the tie break. And, you know, from there, you figured, okay, Pagula might go away, right? Pagula plays this long three set match against Podapova. How much gas does Pagula have left in the tank? Well, no. Pagula races out to a three love lead over Elena Rabacana, And That's after facing break points in her opening service game of the set. She was down, you know, a set in love 40, and you just thought to yourself, all right, Pagula's going to go away. Jessica Pagula never goes away. And look, the game she's going to regret, there was a long service game, 3-1 second set. Pagula had three game point chances, had a look at a down the line that she kind of sprayed a little bit on. But again, that's the sort of pressure Robacana keeps on you. It's amazing because despite not holding there, Pagula then breaks again 4-4-2. But Robacana gets hot, runs off the last four games of the match, you know, again, you look for Elena Rabakina, who won 65% of her second serve return points. She won 68% of her first serve points. Her weapons are bigger than your weapons. She's now 21-4 and four overall on the year, perhaps most impressively. I know she's won, what, 13 technically straight matches, but how about this stat? Eight of Rybakina's 21 victories, eight of 21, more than a third. Eight of 21 have been against top 20 opponents. She's playing the best. She's beating the best. That's why you look for Elena Rybakina. She's up to a new career high, number seven in the live ranking. She wins this title. She can only go as high as number six. Of course, if she had those Wimbledon points, it would be a very clear top three. Iga, Sabalenka, Rybakina. right now. I mean, again... We don't have to get into the big three hierarchy that's emerging on the women's side. That topic has been beaten to death, but that's what the last 48 hours of play look like on the women's side for what it's worth. Kvitova right now back up to number 11 in the live rankings. If she wins the title, she will jump up just one spot to number 10 over Belinda Bencic. Let's move on, though, to the men's side of things because, again, for what it's worth, Rabakina, Kvitova, one-to-one, career head-to-head. They've both been in the last six months. Rabakina, 63.4% favorite. Yeah, I guess this will be the final thought because I don't know if I I'll, I'll ask Gil tomorrow and we'll talk about it a little bit. You have to lean Rabakina. I mean, her weapons are bigger than your weapons. It's as simple as that. 13 in a row. As good as Kvitova has been, Rabakina has been better. So that's where things stand on the women's side of things in that women's singles draw. Let's move over now to the men's singles action. And again, we're saving Alcaraz Center for Gil Gross tomorrow. Daniil Medvedev has earned a couple of wins, though, over the past 48 hours. Daniil Medvedev, a 6-3, 7-5 victory over Chris Eubanks, then a 7-6, 3-6, 6-3 victory over Karen Hatchnov, you look for Daniil Medvedev now in his career. He reaches tour level final number 33 overall. I believe that's technically 32, actually, given the fact that Tennis Abstract counts the ATP Cup. But look, Daniil Medvedev has now made the finals of every significant. Hardcourt event You look for Daniil Medvedev He's made the finals of the US Open He's made the finals of the Australian Open He's now made the finals of every 1000 level event as well Here's the list of players who have done that Since 2000 The finals of every significant hardcourt event Federer, Djokovic Nadal, Murray Medvedev The Big four and Medvedev Come on now Guy's special Obviously a Hall of Famer, he reached world number one, he has won a Grand Slam title, made multiple finals, but you look for Daniil Medvedev now, it's amazing how quiet this has been, 28-3, right? He's won, what, 21 of his last 22 matches, something crazy like that, 28-3 now here, to start this 2023 season. Again, the first player since uh, Roger Federer to reach five or more ATP-level finals before the start of the clay court seasons. He's the first to do it since Federer in 06. Whenever you're getting a Federer 06 comparison, that's one of the wine cellar vintage seasons in ATP Tour history, Speaks to what Daniil Medvedev has accomplished this year, the 12th player to make it to the finals of both tournaments of the Sunshine Double, first to do it since Roger Federer in the same year in 2019. It's special. It's really special. And you look for Medvedev today. Look, he was broken twice, went up an early break in set number one. Uh. Was a serving 4-5-3, had set point chances, played a loose service game. Credit to Hatchnov capitalized on a couple of big forehand sitting ball opportunities. He took advantage of whenever he could get that ball deep into the Medvedev forehand. Medvedev would leave it short. Hatchnov would go big down the line. It was an even first set. Medvedev, though, able to exploit that Hatchnov forehand on the return just a little bit better in the breaker. Medvedev takes it 7-5. He takes the first set. Hatchinov breaks Medvedev right to start set number two, and that's the only break you saw in set number two. And again, we talked about this with DK on Thursday. Hatchinov's good at everything. There were times in this match where the best combination on the court was the first serve, first forehand combination of Karen Hatchinov, who did a really disciplined job, really disciplined job, of capitalizing on the Medvedev return positioning, of being patient, knowing Medvedev would get a little, you know, Medvedev gets antsy in long cross court exchanges and he would leave a ball short, a ball Hatchnov could easily change direction on. Hatchnov was really disciplined and then he played an awful game up or down, excuse me, one, two in the third set. Played, and how many times have I said for Karen Hatchnov, he looks excellent for 92% of the match. He has two bad blips in every match. In this one, he only had one. That's all you can have when you're facing a Daniil Medvedev, who, again, was 27-3 coming into the match. Gave three unforced errors away in that 1-2 service game. Medvedev isn't broken the rest of the way. 6-3 in the third win for Medvedev. You know, again, who earned a 3-5 win over Eubanks. Same deal. Medvedev was up a break, setting a break. Eubanks breaks back. It was a really fun final game. You should go watch the highlights of. There were jumping overheads. There were incredible volleys under pressure from Chris Eubanks to extend the match. But for Daniil Medvedev, you better be an elite serve and volleyer, and you better not have any blips in your confidence because we saw for Hatchinoff, he played really good aggressive tennis. Yet Medvedev can keep pace with you. He's six foot six, has that serve. And then again, can do all the physical and funky improvisational things he's capable of as well. It's another final for Daniil Medvedev. I gave you all the opt ace stats already. I mean, absolutely incredible for Medvedev, who for what it's worth, 59.4% favorite over Yannick Sinner as we approach the final. And I know we'll talk about Medvedev more with Gil, so we'll leave him there. Final lingering thoughts from the quarterfinals. Look, three and two for Hatchinov over Surundalo. Every serve Surundalo sat was just babied in the court, and Hatchinov went after it. He was really disciplined. And again, for Hatchinov semifinals of the US Open, Australian Open, and now a semifinal here in Miami, those three results all in a six month time span. Karen Hatchinov, twenty six years old, he's worked his way back up to number eleven in the live rankings. He's three off his career high of number eight. Has very few points to defend. A Belgrade semifinal, and then nothing really till his Roland Garros round of 16. And again, Hatchinov's done what Elisa Mertens did with less press. He makes the third rounder better and holds seed at just about every major event that he plays. Doesn't have a ton of points to defend in the clay court season. We could see Karen Hatchinov very well re-enter the top 10 of the ATP rankings. And by the way, hasn't won a title I know since that 2018 Paris Masters title. He's got to get one this year. He's put himself in the top eight conversation and in the race for another ATP tour finals with his first third of the season. And as a wise man once said, you can't win a tournament in the first round. You can certainly lose it. You can't qualify For the ATP Tour Finals in the first three months, you can certainly disqualify yourself. Karen Hatchitov has not. Excellent start to the 26-year-old's 2023 season despite the three-set loss. Again, a pretty clean match with Daniil Medvedev. Only, what, five total breaks of serve in the three-set battle. Medvedev through to the final. Scholars are arguing if Francisco Sarandolo making the quarterfinals in Miami is the most clutch thing that's happened in 2023. Just let the record show. He made a, I don't want to say fluke, but it was a fluke semifinal last year. Out of nowhere, no track record of hardcourt success. Hadn't been great, was playing 500 ball over the last 52 weeks. And yeah, there have been moments where the 24-year-old from Argentina had been hot when he won his title in Bostad last summer or final, whatever it was. Quarterfinals here, defends all but one round of points, keeps himself at number 33 in the world going into the clay court portion of the calendar where he has always thrived. Scholars are arguing it's the most clutch thing we've seen this year. Shout out to Emil Roussevori, sinner worked him, but 37 in the world. That's a new career high for the 23 year old who you know we believe in here at Cracked Rackets. And then, look, Fritz played two horrible service games. First game of each, serve, uh, of each set came out really slow, way too tentative against the weapons of Alcaraz. Then he just blinked in that opening service game of the second set, although Alcaraz cruised from there. Look, as Fritz has gotten so much better as a mover. In that first set, he did a really good job of taking two Alcaraz whenever he had the opportunity and whenever he landed a first serve. You heard in the press conference, he couldn't hang with the heaviness of Alcaraz's ball for the course of the match and with all due respect to Taylor Fritz as much as he has improved his movement he is still not an elite mover and in my opinion uh, you know again he's still as as he is still exposed I should say his lack of fluidity is still exposed against elite weaponry and Carlos Alcaraz has elite weaponry and obviously that weapon runner got tested in different ways against Yannick Sinner, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. For Taylor Fritz, I thought it was a pretty solid sunshine swing for the American, particularly and just in general, he he's one of the winners of the first third as well. You look for Taylor Fritz overall coming out of uh, this first third of the season, 20 and 6. Quarters at both Miami and Indian Wells. Yes, the disappointing Aussie open, but you know, helps win the United Cup. Title in Del Rey, the really fun match with Tommy and Acapulco, I mean, Taylor Fritz comes out of the Sunshine Swing 10 in the world, considering he lost Masters 1000 title points after Indian Wells. It's a pretty good place for Fritz to be. But yeah, of course, the headline is still Alcares Center, and I have a ton of thoughts on that. We're going to save them for tomorrow when our dear friend Gil Gross joins me to break that match down, talk a little women's final preview, talk about the men's final preview as well, and so much more. So be on the lookout for that podcast and all the other things we like to do here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, we have broadcasts every Friday and Sunday on ESPN, ACC Network, SEC Network Plus. You can find those on the Watch ESPN app, wherever. Now you all know how to find Watch ESPN. Really good college tennis. You don't want to miss out on any of it. Of course, we recap it all every week on our Great Shot podcast feed. Ton of great interviews with some top one hundred players. You know Borges, Alexander kavasovic Michael Emer, and more over on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. I also recently sat down with former University of Michigan All American, former number one fourteen in the world, Jason Jung. You can find those over on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. A shout out as always to our super producer Daniel Westoff for the of any job he does day in day out making all of this content possible a shout out as well to our dear friends at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment in the tennis world with all of that said for the fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host Alex Gruskin. You know what we say that's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.